to the Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay, and we are so happy that you're here joining us. Picture this. You're at your baby shower, radiantly glowing, and opening the thoughtful gifts given to you for your very first baby. You open packages with soft blankets, tiny baby shoes, and then, boom, something opens up inside you, and you've been initiated into the Mom Guilt Club. However it starts, the thing is, it starts. And once guilt creeps its way in, it becomes like a reflex. We're not even aware of it half the time. So can we get past it? Can it actually be useful? And do all moms and all women feel it? It's time that we tackle these questions. And Lindsay and I are looking forward to really digging in deep here. But first, Lindsay... Hi, we've had a great week together, haven't we? We have. We've seen each other (laughs) twice in real life in one week. I know. It's crazy because before last week when we got together, it had been months. Yeah. Well, we saw each other a few times over the summer at that wonderful pool, Um, Mm -hmm. but it had been a while. And we had the kids and husbands with us, so not quite the same. Oh, we, we covered a lot of ground considering, but yeah. um, these past two weeks, we've been able to cover even more. Yes. <laughs> we'll say that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So we went to the um, a free KPL event at our local library. We got to actually meet and greet and then listen to Kate Morton, the author, who uh, we talked a bit about her and her books in a previous podcast. And we went with my future sister-in-law, Monica, who's a huge fan, and she got me into it. And then uh, by us talking, got you into it, Lindsay. Mm -hmm. That was such a great reminder. I remember saying, I think I said it a few times, so I'm sorry that I um, waxed poetic about how much I love libraries and how cool they are now. Like, they've come such a long way. Yes, I don't get to the library enough because I'm the mom who takes out 40 books, loses half of them, stresses out, and then thinks, forget it, I'm never going to the library again. So I just order all of our books off Amazon and just shell out money that we don't have. Then I inevitably drag my kids back to a library and go, look at the library. All of those books I spend money on are free here. And all of the movies I rent on iTunes are free here. So shout out to the local libraries. Like Michelle was saying, our main branch here, we have obviously a bunch of little branches because we live in a large region, but the main branch is doing fantastic things. And so it was really great to get. And and Kate Morton, I believe her book is number three right now on Indigo's chapters, bestselling list. Like she is a bestselling author. And to be able to have that access to her for free, pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was amazing. And then after that amazing night, we ended up sneaking out last night Mm -hmm. as well for, um, for dinner. Yeah, we were supposed to go to Theology on Tap. Uh, if any of our listeners have the opportunity to go to a local Theology on Tap or a priest in the pub type event, they're excellent. They're really they're run by volunteers. And so we were supposed to go to that. We've been to several before, but I was having a rough day and Michelle pulled into my driveway <laughs> and we were like, Theology on Tap or dinner out where we can just talk. And so she said, being the good friend that you are, Michelle. Lindsay, it's your <laughs> night. What do you want to do? I'm like, let's go to a restaurant. And so we did. We went and had a wonderful dinner out. But 
like this topic, we, you know, both wrestled with uh, mom guilt leaving the house. And, and I think it's important that we'll talk about this more, but mom guilt isn't put on us by our husbands as we're leaving. It's just within us, right? Like it Mm -hmm. is a reflex and it's hard for moms to work their way out the door, but we did it. We had a great meal, some drinks, great conversation, and we are ready to chat with you guys today. Okay, it's time for our weekly etiquette tip. And this is our Halloween episode. I guess it's the episode that's going to air right before Halloween. So Lindsay has some great tips on things we should remember and consider while we're out and about. I love Halloween. Yes. (laughs) I love it. I'm so excited. Okay, so number one, I think this is a really good tip. If you don't know what a child's Halloween costume is and you're looking at the child, don't guess. Because you know what? Children put their hearts into their Halloween costumes. They think about them for months sometimes. And the words of one adult guessing wrong can crush their little sweet spirits. So if you're seeing somebody that looks like a Cindy Lauper from the 1980s, it's probably a Jojo Siwa from YouTube. And you know, they just don't try to guess. So just tell them that they look cute. Number two, be aware that you might be photographed in your costume. And so even if you're not trying to be in pictures, if you maybe haven't dressed, the most appropriately in your costume just think about posterity think about your boss seeing it on social media or possibly your future boss or your priest or your grandma Uh, so just keep that in mind when you're choosing your costume and number three teach your kids to say thank you at each house that was drilled into us as kids my dad okay guys remember this is like the mid 80s my dad at that time would smoke like everybody so i just see this orange glow of his cigarette and he'd be yelling say thank you from the bottom of every single driveway <laughs> we went to that's my childhood halloween memory so teach your children to say thank you at every house and also to not let your kids run across people's front lawns Mm-hmm. Those are great tips. And the thank you thing is is so good. I remember it was almost like a mantra going trick-or-treating. Mm-hmm. It's like, trick-or-treat, thank you. Trick-or-treat, mm-hmm. thank you. It's like this sing-songy thing you repeat over and over again. But it was like, um, yeah, it was like one line. <laughs> yep. Did you say trick-or-treating? And I also like that tip about not guessing children's costume. Yeah. Because although yeah. kids, yes, kids do put a lot of thought into their costumes, but as a mom who overthinks her kids' costumes, I also yeah. would be like, oh, you don't know what this is. <laughs> I've worked so For hard sure. on this. <laughs> For sure. I think just being like, oh, what a great costume, and then just put the candy in their bag and move on. <laughs> and send them on their way. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Time to get right into today's topic of guilt and in particular mom guilt but guilt is kind of universal I think we all feel it but speaking from a place the place where we're at right now in particular it's so easy to guilt ourselves in every aspect of motherhood and this is such a problem so uh, Lindsay you and I really had a great discussion before we started recording about talking about first of all do all moms really feel guilt Yeah, I actually did a little poll and 94% of the moms who answered said, yes, they feel mom guilt. 94%. That's a huge number. Mm -hmm. And you know what, Michelle, when you and I first chatted about this, um, 
we asked each other if we feel mom guilt. And I very boldly, very confidently, as I always am, said, I do not feel mom guilt. But then as I reflected on this topic, as we were prepping, I realized that that is far from the truth and that you know, it's just impossible to say that because this is not a black and white topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, how do I feel about it? I don't think I feel mom guilt on a daily basis. You know what? The truth is I am with my kids from sun up to sundown every single day. It's, it is me that kisses every ouchie, rubs every sick tummy. I cook every meal. So I can honestly say if I step back and look at my life that I am doing all I can be doing for my children at this point in my life. Um, but are there things I'm not doing well? Yep. Absolutely. And I and I try to be really honest with myself about those things. I know that some moms crawl into bed every night and they just toss and turn and they like run over a list of everything that they think that they did wrong that day and they feel crushed. I can say mm-hmm. that I am not that woman, um, but I am very aware of my shortcomings. Do you feel mom guilt? Uh, like you, I think I actually said, I'm like, yeah, I don't really feel it either. But <laughs> also upon reflection, I realized that I have a lot of uh, like future guilt. Yeah. So guilt that I will apply to decisions that I maybe haven't even made yet because all I can see is the potential for failure oh, yes. in them. And so like once a decision has passed and maybe this will change as I start, um, as our family starts to grow and we have to make like really um, involved decisions as our kids get older and older. But for now, decisions have felt relatively safe. It's like when we're coming up to decisions um, or the way we want to live our lives or whatever. I just, uh, it's almost like a decision paralysis. Like I start thinking about all that could go wrong and then I just stop. Yeah. And then I feel guilty about not doing something with my life. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And the cycle continues. It's like a cycle. Yeah. It's like paralysis. You're just like, it's like preemptive guilt already. And I think that when we're thinking through those things about what could cause us future guilt, we have to really think whose voice is that? Is that my own voice? Is that the voice of the culture around us? Is that the voice that I've heard um, just, you know, from friends and stuff over the years? Whose voice is this? Because it might not actually be yours. And when you think about that, then you can really, you have the power to change that potential, to change um, the future, you know, those decisions. Mm -hmm. No, that's so true. Um, Because often amongst everyone else, we really only see the good. Like we will see the fruits of someone's um, decisions or lifestyle choices or routines. We never get to see really the struggle because a lot of the times um, these things are interior, Mm -hmm. right? And so uh, I love the concept. There was a quote and I forget where it was found, but the whole idea of don't judge don't compare your page one to someone else's chapter 20 oh yeah and so when we're crawling into bed at night and running through our day and we're questioning um how did i do are we really considering how we did and where our motives and intentions really lie were they rightly ordered or are we listing off things that we think we should have done based on uh, something we've read, something we've seen, someone we look up to, and we feel like we just aren't measuring up. Right. Exactly. Like whose voice is it? And so when we feel that guilt, um, 
we have a lot more control over that guilt if we sit down and identify, I think, is it coming from actually within us and our own standards or is it coming from an outside source? I was looking at an article before we started recording today and it mentioned something about unworthiness Mm. and how unworthiness is often right on the hot on the heels of feeling guilt. And I was like, that that is so good putting a word to what you feel because you can feel guilty. But what makes guilt sometimes so heavy for me is just this sense that I have somehow let myself down or the family down or, um, again, someone who I respect and look up to, I've, I've let someone down. And so I'm unworthy of being capable of carrying my family forward or my personal goals forward because I have already uh, failed. Absolutely. So do you think that guilt can actually be useful? Yeah. You know what? I think it can. And I was uh, thinking it, it could be part of this juxtaposition where we consider, you know, what did I learn from this experience versus how did I mess up again? <laughs> and this is something I have to work on because I I do not feel, um, I know I should, but I don't feel that it's okay to make mistakes. Mm. Uh, I, ha- I come from a very perfectionist mentality. And so that's where I kind of get locked up. Right. But that uh, that can kind of be like a form of slavery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, being afraid to make mistakes and that it's OK as long as you are uh, a prayerful person, you are someone who is aware of your circumstance, what people need around you, and you're approaching life with a consideration to love and serve others. Then I think uh, it's less like a a right decision, wrong decision, and you might make the wrong one, and more of a, well, let's be open and try something out and see what's going to work. That's right. And you would never impose that like on your children as you're raising them, right? You, We always say it's okay to make mistakes, mm-hmm. but then we don't allow ourselves that. And I just think it's really important, and you and I were talking about this at dinner last night and earlier, that if we do make a mistake, own it. Say your sorry. Say your sorry to your children. Say your sorry to your spouse. Go to reconciliation and say sorry to God, or you know, do it daily in prayer at the act of contrition. Like own it. It's okay. We have to be okay with saying sorry. Um, when I think of the word guilt, or you know, I think when a lot of us think of the word guilt, it immediately conjures up the idea of a trial in a courtroom. And there are plenty of mom blogs and parenting articles that like to just pat us on the back and try to remind us that our motherhood isn't being played out in front of a judge. And so that we don't have to feel that guilt. But I really do think that there is a purpose to that guilt as well. And so we can either be defeated by it or we can be motivated by it. And if it is well-placed guilt, because there are definite things that I do wrong every day, um, then I should really, you know, be introspective and think, how can I use this to motivate me to make better decisions? And one of the tools that you and I have and is, is something called an examination of conscience. And it's just um, a set of questions. Ours happen to be modeled on the Ten Commandments. Um, but you can go through them every day and just ask yourself, you know, how am I doing in this way? A little checkup, a little report card for yourself. And then it can go a step further and you can do a particular examination of conscience. So if there's something that you're really struggling with and that you're feeling guilty about and it keeps coming up, make it your one thing. If it's yelling, um, 
yeah, demanding perfection from maybe your spouse or something like one thing and just every single day question it and see how you're doing with that. Um, but yeah, I just think that it can really be a great motivator. It doesn't have to crush us if it is things that we should feel guilty for. And there are some things that we should feel guilty for. I don't like the idea of society just wanting to write all of that off and say, you don't need to feel guilty. We're all doing our best. Mm -hmm. Are we doing our best? (laughs) Right. And I love what you're saying that it's not, uh, not meant to be crushing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, if you consider it less measuring up and more like rising up. Yeah. Right? Like if we can frame our life as a constant raising of the bar. Yes. And it's just for yourself. Right. So there is no test. Well, there like um nobody is standing there with a checkboard uh, or a checklist Mm -hmm. uh ticking off all the ways you are passing or failing day to day. But you yourself, you continue to set the bar higher. I have talked about this um, with Phil when we talk about our kids, right? I'm like, don't you think it's an interesting concept that we can ask our of our kids, we keep our standards high and our expectations low, yeah. but the bar is set oh, high yeah. because it gives them something to work towards and they rise to the occasion and I was like why can't well I should probably be doing this for myself that's something I actually firmly (laughs) believe in is having an ideal Mm -hmm. within the family yes and it doesn't mean that you're going to hit that ideal you might not come close to it but I think that there's something very important to be said about having an ideal that you strive for and that you constantly reevaluate and look at and say are we hitting it is it still going to work for our family and it's how you measure success um but yeah having that personal ideal, one for the family that you all work on together. Mm -hmm. And to understand too, like time is on your side, right? There is no deadline for reaching the bar. I think that's another thing we can feel guilty about is that um, improvement or change isn't happening fast enough or when we want it to. And so we just beat ourselves up. We should be doing this faster. This should already be done by now. I should... I I shouldn't be like this still, right? Um, But by whose time? By whose time are we marking it? Any progress made is progress. And so to give ourselves that gift of space and that gift of time, we would do that. We would want to do that for our children. And for our spouse. We aren't that demanding of our own partner and but we are of ourselves. And so again, that can be a good thing. It can be a good thing to be that demanding of ourselves. You just can't get crushed under the weight of not fulfilling it every day because you are not going to be able to do it every single day. Right. And we've talked before. I think it, a lot of it comes down to this idea of intentionality, mm-hmm. right? And um, just constantly reevaluating, but being aware that your life um, factors in much more importantly, in the grand scheme of things, uh, you are more important. You are of more value than sometimes we give ourselves credit for. And so we are deserving of patience and time and growth, the same as everybody else. That's right. That's right. We really can't form our children unless we were working actively on being formed ourselves. Mm-hmm. So can we get past it? Can we get past mom guilt? If you've been laying in bed every night and thinking, this is it, I'm the worst mom in the world, I'm the worst wife, I'm the worst employee, can we get past it? I was just going to say, oh, were you listening into like my conversation with Bill when I got home last night? 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. It, it's like, for me, it comes in like phases and waves, right? So sometimes I'll feel really, really great about how things are going. And other times, like last night, I'll feel like, oh, what am I doing? I need to reconsider everything. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, for me, from a faith perspective, and faith factors so heavily in my day-to-day life, uh, so I can't help but come back around to Christ and his forgiveness mm-hmm. of me yes. and how patient he is with me and how he forgives every little thing as long as I come to him with an intent of being with the intent of being sorry and wanting to get better or be better. That's such that's such a key point. Sorry to mm-hmm. jump in there, but you're right. You have to have like true contrition and you really have to make the promise to try to change your life. Yeah. And then it's and then it's given, yeah. right? Which is such a comfort. And so if Christ can forgive us, we mm-hmm. can certainly work towards forgiving ourselves. And, and he forgives us yeah. every time, right? He doesn't go, okay, that was enough times, Lindsay. Like, are you not learning? He <laughs> will forgive. Yeah, like that's it. 78, though, you're done. It's yeah. in the Bible. Um, but no, it's just, yeah, he will continue to forgive us. And there's such hope in that. Mm-hmm. It's like a bomb, right? When you can look at it with this, the big picture mentality we were talking about last week, right? Mm-hmm. And just seeing yourself as a part of a bigger picture and your growth and your progress as part of like your entire life. That's right. Versus just this one moment and that Christ is walking with you through each of them and yeah. he he picks you up if you reach out to him. Every time. Every time. Yeah. He'll take the smallest offering. And this is what I've learned in my life. Like I can give him, you know, the loaf and the fishes, like just the smallest offering I have. And every single time he takes it, he blesses it, he multiplies it. And it it is transformative, but I have to give something. And so that's why we keep changing and trying. Um, I like what you're saying about the big picture. And I think it always comes back to that. It, it, can we get past it? If it's the little things like, oh, too much screen time for my kids or, oh, I bought another box of sugary cereal. I shouldn't have done that. Or, oh, I feel guilty that we're going out for a date night or buying yourself a new outfit when the kids really needed something new. You can get past those things. Absolutely. Stop feeling the mom guilt. Stop. You heard that here from us. Breaking news. You don't have to feel <laughs> guilty about that. But when you step back at the big picture and you see the other things. I think you and I are talking big picture. It's it's how you measure success. And so you have to look, you know, towards the end of your life. Sorry, we're coming upon November and it's a time to have some memento mori moments. Mm-hmm. But look to the end and just think what matters. How do you measure success in your life as a mother, as a woman, as a wife? And and you'll be able to really see what we should carry some guilt about and be motivated to change and what really doesn't matter and you can let it go. Right. Absolutely. And um, this mentality, too, that, you know, we talked a lot. uh, We've been talking a lot about it being a very introspective Mm -hmm. uh, thing. And uh, often guilt is something felt very interiorly. And so it can be isolating. Mm. Combating that with the reminder that we are all a community and we're like different uh, levels of community all the time. So within your family or, you know, within your school community or your parish community or our country or uh, the church, you know, we move forward together. Mm -hmm. And if we must change things, and we will because change is the only constant in Mm -hmm. life, Mm -hmm. 
then we will go forth as one force. You know, if there is a mistake made, then we will get back up and we will charge forth. I think about this in the context of when I consider homeschooling, mm-hmm. right? And um, for me, it's always such a permanent thing. Like uh, if I if I start homeschooling, then I can never put them back into school. That would be the worst thing that can happen. But uh, starting to realize that it could be a family force moving forward, mm-hmm. right? And if changes need to be made, if we if we did end up one day coming out of the school system and homeschooling for a year or two or more, we do that as a family and we meet that challenge head on. Absolutely. And if we reevaluate and everyone goes back to school, then we all go back to school and we do that together and we work together as a family. That's just one example I can think of at the top of my head of being one force moving forward. Always go forward. You know what's funny is that when we – like, I don't know why we should be shocked that we've made mistakes, right? Like, why are we even shocked that we've made a mistake and then feeling guilt about it? Like, that's a pride issue. And we should be thinking, how have I not made a thousand more mistakes today? Yeah. So when we really reflect back and we think, hey, that didn't turn out well, that shouldn't shock us. Like, we are nowhere near perfection. And so this idea of making a mistake, feeling some guilt – guilt is a natural bodily reaction to when we have made a mistake. If it is within justice, right? And by that, I mean, like we're saying, the little things versus the big things. And so when we're feeling that, we should really be looking inside going, I can't believe I didn't do that 20 more times today. And just really then apply the right amount of contrition, motivation to change and move on and ask for forgiveness and move on. Mm -hmm. And to just trust your God-given instincts, right? Mm -hmm. God, God made us rational, reasonable creatures able to think for ourselves. And um, if we are well-formed and we're always trying to seek God's will, then we should be able to trust our instincts, I think. And to decide what or how much we're able to do and then to be able to go forth and do it. (laughs) And guilt is one of those instincts. And so again, I think this movement of trying to absolve ourselves of all guilt uh, which is a very popular thing in secular society right now, like living a regret-free life and just, you know, having no guilt. And, and everybody jokes about Catholic guilt. Oh, you're just a product of Catholic guilt. No, this is a God-given instinct. There's a reason we feel that. And I think we've illustrated that throughout this podcast. But you're right. It's just... um it's the, we have this chance to look inward and to grow in our interior life, to grow in virtue. And this is all part of that. And it's something we should step back and be thankful that we have a chance to reflect on that. It's time for what we are loving this week. And as a nod to Halloween coming up tomorrow, uh, we, Lindsay and I have kind of curated a small list of our favorite spooky tales or podcasts, things to listen to. Lindsay, what are you loving this week for Halloween? I love creepy reads. And so um, I have quite a few that I recommend. So if I highly recommend Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier, gothic romance slash creepy ghost story. It's just perfect. And Daphne du Maurier uh, wrote several other books, Jamaica in my cousin, my cousin Rachel, but I really love her 
collection of short stories called The Birds and Other Stories. And by The Birds, I mean the Alfred Hitchcock movie was actually based on this story, which I had no idea about until I read it. Oh, so interesting. Yeah, it's and it's a lot creepier than the Hitchcock movie. Um, and then I would also recommend The Phantom of the Opera book by Gaston Larue. I had no idea <laughs> that that was even a book. Um, <laughs> and it is not only a book, it is a fantastic book. I could not put it down. It was thoroughly creepy. It was really well written. It covered, oh, it just covered so many different things. Excellent book. Highly recommend it. Uh, another classic is The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. Again, mm-hmm. it really holds its own as still being a creepy page turner. Excellent book. Uh, a more modern one is something I read maybe 17 years ago called House of Leaves by Mark Z. Daniel Lusky. It's a gigantic book. It is by far the creepiest thing I've ever read, but it is so well constructed, so well thought out. Um, There are whole pages that are just a single word in the middle of the page. And then there are pages that are written upside down. So you have to flip the book around and it just takes you through this mind bending, crazy story. It's, It's absolutely fantastic. So again, that is House of Leaves by Mark Z. Daniel Lusky. And then another classic favorite of mine I've read twice and want to read again is The Stand by Stephen King. Uh, Terrifying, absolutely brilliant book. And then a classic, I'll finish with a classic, Bram Stoker's Dracula. I love the movie. I love the book. I really want to read the book again. I haven't read it in a long time. Very scary book. Uh, And I also read this year Frankenstein. It's the 200th anniversary of that book by Mary Shelley. And I read the um, tale of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and wasn't a fan of those two books. They were fine. They were good, but they just didn't grab me like the other ones. And my podcast recommendation is Macabre London by Nikki Druce. It's on iTunes. Again, it's Macabre London they're creepy. They're very creepy tales. I will warn you, but she just does a great job with her editing and the music and sometimes some perfectly placed sound effects in the background. Just a really cool, creepy listen for some really creepy tales out of London that have really happened in England in the past. So what about you, Michelle? Well, I am not someone who traditionally enjoys being scared. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I know I've sent you a couple of texts this week doing research for this segment. And I'm like, I think I'm psyching myself out. I think I'm creeping myself out. I was um, trying to multitask. So I listened to several short stories just to remind myself of these stories I've read maybe in school. And it was the middle of the afternoon and I was trying to clean out our, our winter summer closet clothes. Uh, that's <laughs> a poor I'm, story in and of itself. Yeah. <laughs> Scary enough. Mm-hmm. And then adding on to it, these creepy short stories. Um, I was happy to have the break to go pick up the kids mid-afternoon <laughs> to get oh, out children, of the Come give mommy a hug. Oh, no. <laughs> I need your comfort and love. So (laughs) the three stories that I narrowed it down to that I remember loving and then, yes, re-listened to it this week and I was like, oh, that's spine chilling, is um, The Monkey's Paw Mm -hmm. by W.W. Jacobs. And uh, that one deals a lot with uh, what our greed can do. Uh, The one line I'll just share that kind of sums up the tone of this story is quote for god's sake don't let it in cried the old man trembling end quote and i was like 
oh my goodness, no. You never want to let it in. Don't let anything in. Um, (laughs) The second is The Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe. I'm a big fan of Edgar Allan Poe. I like stories that make me think, and I just think he has a wonderful way of, um, especially in The Telltale Heart, being a first-person narrative. He really kind of not only delivers a creepy tale, but it's a real study in what guilt can do. Mm -hmm. Um, The guilt drives the man insane or he claims he's not insane at the beginning of the story but that's up to the reader to decide i love that Mm. and then the last one is uh fairly new to me it's by agatha christie which i didn't realize she kind of tried her hand a little bit at short stories that were not necessarily out and out mysteries um this one's called philomel cottage and it's really like a blackbeard type tale. Mm. Blackbeard has always freaked me out because I've always been a very nosy person. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but the idea that, uh, like, you know, curiosity killed the cat and how much knowledge is too much knowledge, that's kind of a telling uh, lesson. That's a good lesson for us yeah. uh, nowadays with the internet and everything to keep in mind. So those three I would highly recommend and they're all short and I found all of them on YouTube as dramatic retellings. So if you're short on time or you want something to just listen to that makes you think as well as kind of is festive for Halloween, those three are for sure bets. That's awesome. Can't wait. I love this time of year. Bundled up, candles going, scary stories. Love it. Okay, that's going to do it for us today, Lindsay. Where can people find us? You can find us on Facebook at The Modern Lady Podcast. Same name on Instagram, The Modern Lady Podcast. So send us a message, write a comment, tell us what you think. Um, You can also find me on Instagram at at Linny Autumn and Michelle is at M.M. Sachs, S-A-C-H-S. And we just want to thank you for spending this time with us. And we are just really loving the comments and great um, feedback we're getting from the podcast. It means so much to us when we get a message from a friend or a family member saying that you've listened. It just is really special for us. We really feel like we're growing a great community here. Thanks so much, everyone. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time. Mm